On the first ever episode of Movie Hilo, we're talking about disappearing pencils, psychotic ex-boyfriends, and rubies. This always have a tangerine. Gotham deserves a better class of criminal, and we're going to give it to them. This is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. You should open it up by doing your, hey, groovy guys. Hey there, groovy guys. Got a big date tonight, but got a zit right in the middle of your forehead. Hey, man, you know what I'm talking about, the big juicy kind. You know, they kind of look like a third eye. Well, hey, if they've been calling you Cyclops lately, don't get uptight, because now there's new medicated hickey-off pimple pads by Brillo. Hey! Brillo doesn't just cover up the surface, it goes right down and rips them out by the roots. Comes complete with putting knife, flesh tone paint for all, and sandpaper for all the rough spots. <laughs> keep going, keep going. I gotta look it up. I don't no, keep going, keep going. So now, so if you have acne, don't get uptight, because now there's new medicated hickey-off pimple pads by Brillo. Hey. <laughs> Like, my dad used to have it perfectly memorized. I remember from my dad. He also used to do the, 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 the Hancock Tower one about, like, you know, has your wife left you? Has your daughter run off with a rock musician? Now there's 40 stories of, you know, I could call him right now and you could do the whole thing. And it's like basically, like, come to the top of our tower and jump off and kill yourself. Because that's how awful your life is. But it's like a whole funny, like, you know, has your wife left you? Your kids hate you. Has your daughter run off with a rock musician? Like, you're going to put that in there? I'm definitely putting that in there. I love I like it. my dad's listening. You know, my dad always said... That I don't want had, you to keep talking about your dad. My dad actually used to work in radio, and I find that funny, so maybe I'm getting, you know, anything that I could lend to this, I get from him. Sure. Um, he used to work in Franklin Public Radio, and he um, he used to make the joke working in radio. He used to be like, yeah, I've been told I have a face for radio. My dad's always funny. Well, like, that was... That's like... It's cute, though, because you have to think about it for a second. Like, oh, I get it's it. Not no it's, it's not cute. Right. Well, well, it's the most fucking overplayed... I think it's cute. Well, and then I, the other thing I used to let my dad would go when he'd introduce himself to people. My name is Bob with one O. <laughs> there you go. That's part of where I get my sense. I mean, my mom's funny too, but like the lame aspect of it, like I get all that yeah, from my dad. I agree. But this isn't a podcast about my parents. It's not a podcast about your parents. This is a podcast about discussing the best and worst that cinema has to offer. And welcome to Movie High Low. It's the first episode ever. <laughs> so I'm Dom. Who am I? Who are you? <laughs> And I'm Danielle, better known as Dee. Better known. I like I like the better known tag. The thing is, is that we decided we're gonna we're gonna do this podcast on the best movies and the worst movies. That's the idea of high low. And we are going to from week to week do a very high tech um, type of decision analysis to find out whether we're going high or low in terms of like a good movie or a bad movie. But we said from the beginning we should start on a high note. We should start with Right, as an introduction. A good film, something that people... Something that really sets the tone. Something that sets the tone, something that people like, something that we like, or at least I, I, we'll, we'll talk about that after. It's definitely one you like more, but I appreciate it. Yes, and, and that's cool, and that's cool. So we when we when we talk about high-low, what's like the... the uh, what is the qualifications for that? It's like, says who? Who says this is a high movie or a low movie? Well, for, for this movie in particular... Um, the Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan, which was released on July 18, 2008. It was nominated for eight Oscars, won two of them. Um, best performance by a supporting actor with Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. posthumously. I can't say that word. Posthumously. Poth, that post death is what that means. Right. Is that Latin? After death. No. Well, like humor, the English, the French way to write it would be like color humor. You put O U R. So like humor would be H U M O U R for instance. For humor, they write that they write that way in in, in um. Well, what, po- the posthumously. But it, I don't. What is humor? Probably is. Latin. What's humorous know. about posthumous? Posthumous. It's not humor, but like poison. Poison. P- 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 
poison. Um, let's not get hung up on that. And then best achievement in sound editing by Richard King. It's got a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and as of right now, has a 9.0 rating on IMDb, which puts it at number four in the top 100, just under Shawshank Redemption and the two Godfather movies. So this is a film that's definitely very much... I really can't believe that. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not a great movie. Well, it's a but... fucking Batman movie. And the fact that a Batman movie is looked at as such yeah, an achievement exactly in film... It. That's exactly why it's surprising. That's uh, I, It's surprising. As somebody who loves Batman, it's surprising to me, too. I'll keep my mouth here. Uh, we're doing the best I can, honey. Uh, <clears throat> you ready to talk about The Dark Knight? I was ready to Okay. So let me do a quick movie synopsis um, on the flick. Following the events of Batman Begins, we descend upon Gotham City at the height of Batman's reign on terror. His Dark Knight visage has drug dealers and low-rent thieves on the run, and even the mob conducting their group therapy sessions in broad daylight. By contrast... He's also helped to pave the way for Gotham's White Knight in the form of new district attorney Harvey Dent, who's using RICO predicates to disrupt the entirety of Gotham's organized crime, all without needing a caper cowl. But everything is put at stake when a bank-robbing, mass-murdering agent of chaos shows up to challenge the very ideals that the Batman has inspired. A criminal the likes of which no one has ever seen, the Joker will force Batman to either reveal his true identity or allow all help mayhem to erupt while he, the Joker, seeks to erode the very soul of Gotham itself. Does that sound about right? I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Um, it took me like, <laughs> that was like, that was like 20 minutes at a word doc. Being like, how do I talk about this movie? There's a lot of plot in this movie. A lot of shit happens in this film. Yes. It's very uh, densely packed. It's, it's, For two and a half hours. It is. Too, it's, it's like. It's funny because one of the things that when we received is the low, one of the lows will be the length of the movie. And, Perhaps. And it will come into question, well, where exactly should it have been shaved off? I mean, should time have been shaved off of the movie? You know, because every scene really was great. Or, you know, are there particular moments you feel like you could have gone without? I mean, because you almost feel like all the... I don't know if I'm talking enough into the microphone. You're good. You feel like every moment matters so much to the story and the plot and everything. I think so. I mean, we'll get there because we'll, we'll, let's talk about... Let's start with talking about the highs of the film and then we'll get to the lows, if, if, if any. Because I think that it's probably hard to yeah. find specific lows yeah, in this movie. Uh, you're gonna foreshadow. You're a shadower. To look forward to later on in this program. There's nothing to look forward to in this program. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's start with the highs of the film. I think that the easiest and most obvious high of the movie um, is obviously Heath Ledger's performance as Absolutely. the Joker. I agree. I mean, it's it's, it's the first thing that comes to mind for me as well. And it's I mean it's very critically praised and universally loved and with good reason because even when you rewatch the movie you know it's 12 years later and it's still such an iconic performance he does a really great job and also it's very different from all of the iterations of the Joker that we've seen in any of the Batman movies up to this point I think up to this point it's been Cesar Romano um, playing the Joker in the original Batman series from the 60s in the Batman movie, where, like, a shark fucking, you know, attacks Batman. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's, I can't pretend I actually know that one. It's super goofy. the cartoon that used to be on TV. I don't think it was Saturday morning. <sighs> That's a good was, point. Was it weeknights? Well, the animated series was uh, Mark Hamill was the voice. And he's... When did it air? Like, what time of day? It's like, it was in the 90s. It was, like, 93, I want to say. No, but... Was it on like Saturday mornings or was it? The it was afternoons. It was like it was like I feel like it was like like a Monday or Tuesday, like at like six o'clock. It was like something like in the evening, so you could watch it like either after or before dinner when you're a kid. 
And it was, and he was, I mean, he's, you could obviously say Mark Hamill is like one of the best. The other one I always remember is the one I grew up with is the Tim Burton's Batman. Sure. Michael Keaton playing Batman and Kim Basinger. And of course, Jeff Nicholson and his legendary performance. People get hung up on the question of whether or not, um, you know, is which which version of the Joker is better? And I think it's kind of the wrong question to ask. It's like I don't think there's anything. I don't think you. I think you could make an argument for any Joker, with the exception of Jared Leto. I think you make an exception. I think you can make an argument for any Joker being the best version of the Joker. It's not really the right question. It's kind of like they. With Heath Ledger's Joker, with this version of the Joker that's in the Dark Knight, it's like markedly different. Like they're purposefully going for something very different than anything you had seen before with any of the Jokers that existed before this movie. Um, you know, with the the look of his character, kind of the shaggy, fucked up makeup, uh, the crazy hair. Like he looks very different than any of the other Jokers look. He's scarred up. Demented. Yeah, and he's also... Tormented. And he's also kind of like um, the whole an- anarchist approach to it. The idea that they're going to make him an anarchist and he's he has no real mm. motivations. Well, that's actually, as much as I would not consider myself to be an anarchist, or I would take you to be one, I, I appreciate from the perspective of what makes a villain in a movie that his is that it's not about money. So that's sending a message and that's something that he says in the movie, mm-hmm. but that that's part of what he's about and that he's not afraid to burn large piles of money and doesn't care about the repercussions of that because it's not what it's about. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And like I said, it's like, it's about, he says in the movie, it's about sending a message, but it's also like, that is the message in and of itself. Well, he also, he, he's a character that like, the, the thing that's cool in the movie that they set up is when, um, early on when Batman is talking to Alfred and he's going, well, criminals are they're easy. Once you understand what they want, they're easy to, to go after. And Alfred's trying to explain, he does the whole thing about the Burmese bandit who he's trying to explain, like, you don't, maybe you don't understand what this, this guy's not after anything. This guy doesn't give a shit about anything. He's not really, um, the way that the mob who's infiltrated Gotham city is like, we're looking for money. We're looking for power. Like this guy's not like the Joker's not looking for shit. He's not, he's really just looking to essentially prove the point that, we're all base reptilian animals and we'll rip each other shreds if given the opportunity. Like that's really the only thing that it feels like the Joker is after is like almost like proving the point that like none of this matters. You're trying to save something that doesn't matter in Gotham city. We're all, you take, you turn the lights off, you take away, you know, uh, heat and electricity and like we'll rip each other to shreds. One of the criticisms that's been leveled against the movie in retrospect mm-hmm. is that all of the Joker's plotting works out. Like every scheme that he comes up with, as absolutely crazy or unrealistic as it is, he's able to pull it off. You know, like when he goes after the mayor and then they fake the death of Gordon and he goes after Batman and then Gordon catches him and they put he puts him in, in the jail in the MCU and then he's able to break out of the jail by blowing the guy's stomach up with the cell phone, which is, a really fucked up scene. Which is awesome. But then, then it's like J- Gordon realizes he wanted me to lock him up in the MCU. It was his whole plan, his whole master plan, was for me to lock him up, anyways. So in retrospect, now people kind of look at the movie like, how did he have the foresight to know he was going to pull that off? And the way I look at it is that the thing that's really interesting about this version of the Joker is that he, at any given point in the movie, 
is prepared to die. Mm-hmm. Like, he's ready to die at any point in the movie. In fact, if he dies, it's almost like he's right. welcoming death. Right. You know, there's... He, li- already, he's, he's a message to send, but nothing to, in fact, to live for. And, and, and if he dies before he gets his point he's across... Him out of misery. Yeah, it'd be like putting him out of his misery, really. He, he literally at one point... Dog. Yeah, he literally at one point puts a gun in the hands of Harvey Dent and is like, you know... If you want right now, you can take me out. You can kill me. Obviously, the famous scene is when he's screaming at Batman. I, I was thinking about the scene where uh, the Joker is visiting Harvey Dent in the yeah. hospital when he goes, you know, heads you live, tails you die. And he goes, now you're talking. Like, that scene. And and that, that and literally at that moment, Harvey Dent could have taken him out. He could have killed him and probably walked away scot-free. And, and the hospital blows up right after that. Right? Yeah, he blows up the he hospital after. But um, Harvey Dent makes it out, doesn't he, or does he get blown up? Yeah, Harvey Dent gets out. Well, obviously Harvey gets yeah. I'm trying to remember, I know the Joker does, because it's like the famous scene where he dresses the nurse and he's walking away from the building. Yeah, which is hilarious. And he looks all fucked up. Yeah, and he's, he's I love and that then, stuff. And then the explosions stop for a moment, and everything pauses, music pauses, the camera pauses, his performance pauses, looks behind, kaboom, and then he starts running. It's like, it's funny. It's, yeah. They did a lot. There's plenty of moments in the movie that are also very funny to me. That it's totally. It's there's a lot of really good humor in the movie. Okay. But I think but the point I'm making though is just that I think that when people criticize it now in hindsight, when they look at it and they go, "Wow, all the shit that he tried to pull off, he was able to pull off," and it seems unrealistic. It's like, well, if you have nothing to lose, if you have nothing to live for, if at any given point in the story you're willing to die, you know, when he's yelling at Batman like, "Hit me, hit me." He, he want he it's like dude kill literally like take the opportunity to kill me right now right. because I don't give a shit it. and it almost makes it more believable to me that he would be able to pull off such crazy endeavors that he would be able to like swing for the fences and actually pull it off because even if he's not around to see the payoff he's willing to you know he's got nothing to lose he's a guy who is just up against the wall and willing to do whatever the fuck it takes. Mm-hmm. Which makes him, I think, a lot more uh, the at up to this point in in you know Batman lore, it makes him kind of like the scariest version of this character. Yeah, the most demented, certainly, like the kind that would haunt you as a child, like the kind that would scare a child to see, like not a cute Jokerish, clownish, like haha, funny, big feet, honking nose, and the little hooting ear that sprays water in your face. Right. You know. There's oh, that shit. the scarves that go on for days. They, I, I, I feel like we can't not mention and spoilers, minor spoilers, I guess, alert for anybody who's not seen the new um, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. I feel like we can't not mention because to me, it's yeah, but that's not that's not like a child seeing like oh that's scary like like Heath Ledger's just no no appearance based alone. No, but I'm saying what I'm saying is that the 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 different takes on the Joker that we've seen in film. Like, we just got, this year, a very, very different take on the Joker with the Todd Phillips um, Joker movie that just came out with Joaquin Phoenix. And Joaquin Phoenix is brilliant in that movie, and he's fantastic. And I think, you know, I think there are some people that have made correlations to, like, how he's a little bit similar to Heath Ledger. But in, in theory, or in, like, the way it's presented, it's very different because the idea of this Joker is that, like, he's the man from nowhere. Like, we never know where this guy came from. There's a really cool, like, theory now about him being an Iraqi or an Afghanistan war veteran that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, but the movie doesn't confirm or deny anything. The movie is kind of the whole point is that he tells these alternate versions of his origin so that you never really know where he came from. And now we just had this movie come up this year that is, you know, a complete origin story that very clearly defines like he has mental health problems. He's from a fucked up family. He doesn't really know who his father is. Like there's a lot of like they give him a very clear backstory in the new version of the Joker. Um, But it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's a very interesting take to present it the way that they do in the dark Knight, it's probably my favorite version of it where it's like we it doesn't matter where he's from it doesn't matter what his backstory is the point is is that we're at the we we're here with this character who literally doesn't give a shit about anything the other thing that i that i really like about this version of the joker is i like the idea that the joker the obviously the one that we grew up with is jack nicholson's version of the yeah. joker in tim burton's movie Absolutely. which is still fantastic jack napier who's played by is is the one who kills batman's parents so in effect jack napier creates batman and then batman later on as as batman encounters jack napier and throws him into this vat of acid and that is what creates the joker so the idea of the 1989 tim burton movie is that Joker creates Batman, Batman creates Joker. They they have created each other. In this movie, it feels more like they're doing more of what was kind of in the killing joke in that comic where it's the idea that they're a mirror image of each other, that, you know, it just takes one bad day to send you over the edge. So as Batman, something happened to you, one, you had one bad day that sent you over the edge and turned you into a vigilante who puts on a bat costume and beats the shit out of criminals. Mm-hmm. And me, as the Joker... Just took probably one bad day to send me over the edge to start fucking robbing banks and murdering people to prove a point that nothing means anything. Yep. So, um, I love I love this version of the Joker. They're very much the yin and the yang, the Batman and Joker. You know, absolutely. They are two sides of the same coin, which is a perfect segue to the next high of the movie, which I would say is Harvey Dent. Yes, absolutely. I think um, Aaron Eckhart did a great job. As Harvey Dent, the way he's portrayed in this is great. They they do a lot of they do a really interesting kind of representation of the way that he's created as Two Face. Like in the comic book, he's you know they throw acid on his face while he's in the middle of prosecuting someone, and that's how he becomes Two Face. I think they show it in Batman Forever at one point. There's like a clip where they play it on TV. I think I remember you telling me about it, but I don't think I've ever seen that. Like I know the one from the Batman, the Tim Burton version of Batman. Where he falls into it, like a giant vat of acid. No, I'm talking about Harvey Dent. Oh, yeah. So Two Face, the way Two Face right. becomes Two Face in the comic right. book. It's different than how it happens in the movie. It's you, you, so the scene in in Dark Knight where he's in the middle of prosecuting one of the mob guys, mm-hmm. and the guy pulls out the carbon fiber gun and tries to shoot him, and the gun doesn't go off, and he takes the gun from him and he fucking dismantles it, and he's like, "I suggest you buy American." You know, it's that whole fucking thing. It's kind of a reference to what actually created Harvey Dent or Two-Face in the comic, which is he's in the middle of prosecuting somebody in court and the guy throws a vial of acid on his face and scars him. Right. So, in, Whereas in The Dark Knight at court, when he's in court, somebody holds a gun to his face. What's your favorite, what's your favorite scene with Harvey Dent in the movie? Probably the scene that comes to mind first is the scene where he's in the elevator coming up to the cocktail party and he's scared shitless 
And then I like Maggie Joan Hall's line where she goes, Harvey Dent, scourge of the underworld, but scared stiff of the trust fund brigade. Yeah. But she delivers much more coolly than that. You know what I mean? Like walking his cock apart and he's like just terrified, you can tell. It's funny. Like that whole scene's funny. And then when he's talking to Alfred about like any ex-boyfriends that he's talking about, any psychotic ex-boyfriends that he's talking about, you have no idea. Like he's just like, it's just a funny scene. Uh, the two-faced coin is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Because that was a big thing about once Harvey Dent becomes two-faced, he is a split personality. He is somebody who is both Harvey Dent and two-faced. So the coin becomes his way of making decisions. You know, do I do something good or do, do I do something bad? And, uh, yes, don't talk about that. Don't, don't give it away. Spoiler, spoiler for the podcast. Um, I'm going to say it because that was my idea. For what? For the whole, like, putting that into how we're going to end it when we do the, the, the well, I always toss. said we were, I always said we had to do a coin toss. We I can't... know, but the, I'm going to put the line in like heads you live, tails you die. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Yes, we got to like, put that in there. Come on, that's good. You got to put that in there. That's what I was going for. Foa. <laughs> I need to say because it it's my idea. That's what I was going for. <laughs> you don't sound like you when I met you. Like you've been around. My mom said I sound like I'm about... like, I think <laughs> No, that's Dom... what you were going I think, for. I think whatever Dom lost, I gained in Boston accent. Really? <laughs> what is you fucking donkey? Dude, are you fucking serious, bro? <laughs> So this That's is the Boston podcast. Right, when we talk about Boston movies right now, Mark what Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg is the best actor you've ever seen in your entire fucking life. This dude comes out and he's the fighter, bro. Not you, not you, not you, and not you. This is Boston. You understand, bro? <laughs> Everyone, there's like two people listening to this podcast right now, and they've left. They're like, "Bye, That's enough." <laughs> um, <laughs> where are we in this movie? I just have. I'm sorry. So say it. Don't don't say anything. I just had this random idea that has nothing to do with anything with this podcast that is just a good horror movie idea. Okay. You know when you order delivery? Yes. What if like you piss those people off enough and they come and kill you? The delivery killers? Yeah. <laughs> and like how they oh. think, of, think of just take that concept and run with it. You That's actually I mean? like, brilliant. That's brilliant. They've been you and probably, you could probably make a mini series out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like The Strangers, but at the very end of the and movie. What well, the very end of the movie when like Liv Tyler's crying and she's like, "Why are you doing this?" Instead of order delivery, because <laughs> you gave me a fucking three dollar tip, bitch. Like if they just. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm glad I'm recording that. That's good. Good. Okay. Now I digress. Continue what you're talking about. You, Harvey Dent. you continue. <laughs> and Harvey Dent and the coin and. How the coin is burned, and now it's no. I just, I just, again. I love, I love the way that Harvey Dent's represented in the movie. I think Aaron Eckhart did a great job. I love, I love um, the idea that you know that Batman looks at him like a beacon for. Here's a guy who's above boards, who's not, who's not a mass superhero, who's somebody who is, you know. Who who can literally take up? But like, my... isn't that part of what Batman's saying too? It's like they're both trying to push each other up in some way. Like like Batman's saying is like this city needs a hero with a face. Yes, you know exactly. And like that scene, like you know the scene when he when he bumps into them in the restaurant and he's like, oh, we'll put a couple tables together. I own the place. Like that whole fucking restaurant. And he's and he's sitting there and he's kind of <laughs> like he's kind of like needling Harvey Dent to try and find out what his thoughts are on the Batman. They're all sitting there having this conversation that inevitably becomes about Batman and. Bruce Wayne's trying to sit there be, being all cool, being like, well, you know, eh, who, who, who decided that he should be... Like, he's kind of laying back on the ropes 
to hear what Harvey Dent's real opinion is. And Harvey Dent is very fervently saying like, well, we appointed the Batman when we let scum take over our city. And we, you know, laid back and let the mob infiltrate fucking Gotham. And here's an ordinary citizen who's standing up for what's right. And that's when Bruce Wayne's just like, you know what? You're all right, Dent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you a fundraiser. I'm gonna get you some money. Right. Which to me is funny if you think That's about. What they stand for. Their if, values are right. I'm, I wonder if Harvey Dent had like shit all over Batman. If all of a sudden he'd been like, "Fuck this guy!" Like I'm taking him out. Right. <laughs> if he'd been like, "The Batman's actually a piece of shit vigilante that we want to capture," Bruce Wayne right. might have been like, "Well, you know what? Now we got a problem." <laughs> I suppose it's a possibility. <laughs> Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about. A few more of the highs and then get into maybe some of the lows of the film. Okay, sounds good. We'll see you in a bit. We'll be right back. So, coming back... Um, let's talk about a few more highs from the film. I mean, I, I feel like... The, I feel like it's difficult to talk about this movie without just heaping praise on it because it's such a well-loved movie. Um, but I think, like, specifically, like, things that distinguish it as kind of one of the best Batman stories ever told or one of the, you know, really most well-made comic book superhero movies ever told. Um, for me, I think another one of the highs is really Chris Nolan's direction. There's a lot of weird criticism about him now, I feel like, because there's this whole fanboy element to Chris Nolan. But, like, my the, the things that I think he's done that are amazing... Yeah, there's this whole... Because he's made a lot of movies since Batman that have been, like, big, huge blockbuster movies. Like, he's one of the fucking few guys who has the clout in Hollywood to say, like, I'm going to shoot on film. Like, I don't give a shit what anyone says. Still? Yeah, he still shoots on film. He's he's one even Scorsese's like adopted digital technology and like Nolan's a guy who's like I'm only going to make a movie on film. Yeah. And it's kind of like balls of steel, huh? A little bit and there's a, there's also a level He's got integrity. So I would also just say to anybody listening like if you want to check out a really cool documentary like side note on this, check out a movie called Side by Side. It's actually narrated by Keanu Reeves. He's like yeah. the main guy in it and it's a whole examination of film versus digital. Um, that's really compelling and it's got a lot of interesting ideas in it. Chris Nolan's like in that documentary is kind of like the dude who is advocating for film, whereas a lot of other directors are talking about digital and all the advantages it makes. But um, it's there's a lot of really good information and it's really. I think that whole debate is interesting. Uh, you know, oh, what's better? I mean, some that somebody would say anything you could do on film, you could do in digital. It's like. You even talk about in the one classic example, and it's like, I love this movie, and we should do one of these podcasts on this movie, is Gangs of New York, mm -hmm. and how that's shot on film, and how mm -hmm. George Lucas was consulting with um, Martin Scorsese early in, or in post production, probably. No, it was during the movie. During the, but it wasn't about oh, film yeah, and digital. Made the four, five points, and you know. Yeah, that was. That, what you're talking about, was more about when he. The, the lore or the story that I've heard is that George Lucas visited the set of Gangs of New York while Scorsese was filming it. Right. And Scorsese, like, painstakingly recreated the five points of of New York. Mm -hmm. Like, it, like to the point where, like, they painted the sets. They didn't do any color correction. And books, my point being, it's a beautiful movie. And Lucas... I love that movie. It's, it's amazing. I, it's, I love those kinds of movies. I love those period pieces anyway. It's amazing. Historical ones. It's amazing. 
And it's one of his most. I mean, it's not even historical fiction. It's just, I guess it could be, but it's not based on anyone that's. Well, they they well, take liberties. Exist. Yeah, it's it's like it's like an like, amalgamation of a couple. Actually, exist. I mean, it seems like made up people in a time that was not made up. The, I mean, post revolutionary war time and freedom of this country and, and immigrants coming over the early eighteen hundreds. Right? What was it like the early eighteen hundreds? Yeah, they're and they take big liberties like with lots of immigrants, lots of lice and disease and illness and uh, extreme poverty coming off these boats, dirty, filthy with animals with them. Some of them had dead children and dead loved ones with them. If they made it, some of them died along the way. Like, just gross. And they would check you, and they would check you at not just Ellis Island, but I mean, other places where you port, and they would check you to see, like, what vermin you had on you and try to, like, de-louse you and shit. Yeah. No, no, well, I love... I just, I'm sorry, I'm just, now I'm going <clears throat> off on why that movie was great. But I'm just saying that the whole debate about film versus not, like, that movie is just, I can't imagine... How anything could be better than what it already is. It's just a masterpiece. But that's not so much about film and digital. That's more about he created the five points practically. He did like a practical set. They re- they built sets to make the five points. What George Lucas is saying or what is has, has been reported to have said is that, hey, you could have done all this with a green screen. Right. And that's a fundamental difference between Scorsese and Lucas. Whereas like you look at the prequels I'm for so Star Wars. Of course not. Even, I mean... Again, Scorsese's one of those guys. We're going he's got off. integrity. He he can do. He's got integrity. He got integrity. Um, but he's not. He's gonna make a movie the way that he wants to make it. He's gonna if it costs one hundred and fifty million dollars to recreate the five points, like he's gonna do it that way instead of having a green screen, which may have been cheaper and more practical, but doesn't make for a better movie. As I think anyone who's watched the Star Wars prequels versus Gangs of New York would understand. Right. Um. But getting back to Chris Nolan and, you know, I think what the way that he the way that he directed this movie, the way that he approached making this movie, and this is not a knock against any of the Marvel movies or any other superhero movies because I enjoy those a lot myself. But, you know, Batman is a is a comic book character that does not have superpowers. He's a guy who is a, a millionaire or a billionaire who. Uh, in in this version of the movie is a fucking trained as a ninja, which makes it even that much more awesome. But has this ninja training and then all this money to kind of fund the technology that he needs to fight crime. So the way that this movie is approached is kind of like in a hyper-realistic way. Like it's as close to reality as they can be. Like Batman doesn't fight aliens or like a big thing in the sky. Like Batman is fighting the mob. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah, and and it's done in a way that's a lot more grounded in reality. It's it's the movie's kind of shot more like it's a detective movie, like something that Warner Brothers would have made, you know, in their classic era of of uh, of crime films. So, even though it does, you have to suspend disbelief, and there's certain things that get kind of you know hyper reality. It's just done in a way that almost seems more true to life. Than you know, everyday things. That Superman see. or or it's not supernatural. It's everyday. Exactly, exactly. It's the uh, criminals that we see every day. It's the blue, the white collar criminals. So I think that's I think that's one of the cool things about the way that that Chris Nolan directs it. And I also think it's really cool, like to talk like what you were saying about Scorsese, and he's he's using a lot of practical effects here. He's you know he uses CGI, but he kind of he uses it the correct way, where it's the pepper, it's not the steak. 
It's the shit that you put on to make it look a little bit better. You know, like, um, you know, when they flip that 16-wheeler, like, that's a real effect. They really flip that fucking thing, you know, and that's... And the way they chose to, like, not just frame the shot, but, like, they pushed in. It wasn't a dolly shot. Was that a dolly shot? I mean, because I remember the camera, the way it moved, it was, like, as... It was flipping and, and going to land back towards the pavement. It yeah, camera's like, flying towards it. Yeah, like the way the shot happened. He's a dude. He doesn't even use from. I don't know. You know, I don't know if he if he does now. But I remember at this time, one of the things that was very famous about him was that he doesn't use a a second unit. You know, he directs. He himself. He's like up in the helicopter. Well, he directs every shot. But the ones like the, the B unit, like the ones you said, like won't do the over the overhead aerial shots, and you know city exteriors and all that kind of stuff like he goes and does that like he's he, every shot of of that that he gets shot really enjoy it. i'm sure being on a movie like like it just shows the appreciation the level of appreciation that and sure inevitably christopher nolan has for filmmaking and that's why he wants to take every last shot like he just has so much stake in it like and cares about it so much that he would do that and it's probably it's probably it's probably a lot more expensive to have the main director supervise every shot. I mean, if you think about it, you could if you could like. Um, be a lot faster though. It seems like most efficient. Just like the primary vision. I mean, if it's something well, no, I think I think it would probably be more efficient to. It feels like it would be more efficient if he was able to delegate part of the work he's doing to a second unit. If he was able to like. Say, okay, yes. you go film all the helicopter shots. Okay. You go film all, like, the B or C story shots. But that means that he's not the primary vision of the shot in the first place, and that's the thing that he wants. That's something to geek about it. I'm sure, I'm sure that he would even say that he is Christopher Nolan. Is that he, not a geek. I mean, he cares so much is what I'm trying to say, like, that every last idiosyncratic detail matters so crucially that he has to be present for all of them. Like, he wants to be the vision behind whatever is being captured. And ultimately going to be presented to the public. Like he, that could be vanity, it could be control freak, it could be a little of everything. It could be just the the love for the craft and the care and precision of it all and just wanting to not fuck it up and do it right and make it classic and make it, you know, like, I don't know. Like he, it's like I'm watching a master at work, I'm sure. But do you know what I'm saying? I totally know what you're saying. So I have a lot of respect for him. His. Batman films, you know, and I think that there's a lot of things that people criticize, especially about the third one, um, and maybe even about Batman Begins. But to me, I think his Batman films are kind of like the signature, you know, the stuff when when we you know we have kids one day, that's the stuff I'm going to be the most excited to show them. Mm. Is like these are the these are the Batman movies, you know. So are there any lows for you in this movie? And I know as it's hard it's hard to come up with lows for this well, movie. When I was watching it too. I wasn't trying to keep track of the things I didn't like either. And I don't remember there being particularly things I didn't like enough that if there's something I really didn't like, I know I'd remember it, you know. Yeah. Uh, nothing really comes to mind. I mean, it's a good movie. I guess if you have to pick lows for this movie, you'd have to nitpick. And if I was going to nitpick, I would probably say think about this for a second. The Joker gets up to that penthouse and he throws Rachel Dawes out the window and Batman jumps out the fucking window and like breaks her fall with his yeah. with the wings, right? Here's the thing I don't understand. Unless the Joker and his henchmen escaped on Bruce Wayne's fucking helicopter, they would have had to have come downstairs. They would have had to have left that building. Like how is Batman not waiting outside for them? Like, okay, here's the next fight we're going to have. Like like 
they just cut away. It wasn't really clear up what happened. They just cut away from that scene, like like the Joker isn't upstairs with all of Bruce Wayne's guests and might like start massacring people, or have to at least come downstairs from the penthouse unless he's escaping by air. Like, what the fuck happened at the end of that scene? scene It just cuts to Gordon, and he's like, "Hey, you got a warrant?" It's like, what the what the fuck is this? Are we not going to talk about what? We didn't just see. I mean, I guess the, the one thing you can take from that is that nobody got hurt because if somebody did, they would have had to. Well, isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? The Joker it. is killing people on a day-to-day basis until Batman shows his face. You're telling me he just like upper crust type. he just I left that room. He was like, "Oh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'll go downstairs and get the valet parking that I had and leave." Like, what the fuck was he doing? Like, he just he's up on the penthouse. He's on the top floor. You know, where did he go? It's a little... Bruce Wayne's already on the fucking ground floor. Are you telling... Or not Bruce Wayne, Batman. And Batman costume is on the ground floor. He can't wait outside the elevator. Like, you coming down, bro? Like, I got words to... I got words for you, sir. We gotta have a conversation. You just threw my girlfriend out a window. I'm fucking pissed. Or at least show me... At least show the Joker escape with the helicopter. Show me a way that he got out of that room. If if like if you can't show me a way you got out of that room, that's kind of you know you know if a clown copter showed up, that would be better. If I saw another helicopter that was like fuck Bruce Wayne's helicopter, we're bringing our own copter and like the things got like different colored propellers, that would be hilarious. I would fucking watch that. That's hilarious. But they kind of screwed the pooch on that one. They fucked the dog. You know what are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> I love how you said they had to fuck the dog. Like, I didn't know it screwed the poop. <laughs> so can you now do the coin toss? Okay, so... Um, we As you live. We started... you. Cry. Um, so the, the, the high-tech version of how we're going to do this every week, week to week, is if we go high or low, it's going to be a coin toss. So uh, heads is we're going high, tails we're going low. And we've already got the, the um, movies for next week picked out if we go high or if we go low. Um, but we would love your suggestions if you're listening. Absolutely. It makes it more fun. You know, if you got any movies that you think are high or low, please send us an email at moviehighlow at gmail.com. Spell it out. M-O-V-I-E-H-I-G-H-L-O-W at gmail.com. You do it. Sound nicer. M-O-V-I-E-L-O. <laughs> do it again. M-O-V-I-E-M-O-V-I-E-H-I-G-H-L-O-W. At gmail.com. Wow, that's so you really. You wouldn't say it that fast because that's the thing you can submit. Moviehighlow.com. Spell it out M-O-V-I-E-H-I-G-H-L-O-W, one word. O V I E H I G H L O W, all one word. And if you're Sebastian Stalker's dad, don't put all one word in there and everything else instead of <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, send us a, send us emails. Let us know if uh, what your highs and lows are. If you've got a movie that you think is a high. Just shoot a couple lines about why you think it's a high or if it's a low. Why is it a low? Just let us know a little bit about why it's a good or bad movie. But let's see. Let's see. All right, you ready? Let's see what we're going to get. Heads you live, tails you die. No, what is this? Should be... So wait, you established that high is... Heads? Heads is high, tails is low. Yes. Tails. So tails was... Tails. So it looks like next I've week... I've seen it, so okay, why not? Next week, we're watching That's Battlefield Earth. We got, we're going low. All right, so so next week we will be watching Battlefield Earth. Uh, it is a low episode. Um, this will be cool because it's actually we started high, so now it makes perfect sense that we're going low. Yeah. But um, I'm glad it worked out the way I 
Yeah. And um, please, like I said, send us your um, send us your highs and lows. Let us know if there's a really great movie we should check out or a really shitty movie we should review. Um, because we are definitely having we're struggling to figure out what the next ones are going to be. And and we're also going to start throwing in our own personal picks for highs and lows as well. So uh, we're starting professionally, but we'll eventually make our way to. And hopefully you all enjoyed this one. It's been fun. This is awesome. Thank you guys so much. See you next time. Bye-bye.